All right, good morning, church, and happy Father's Day to our fathers. I hope you have already got a good day of celebration, so good to see you guys out today. Uh, We uh, want to use this time in our service to especially recognize and honor our fathers. You know, there's probably not more of a challenging time that we faced as a church than the days that we live in today, and how much greater is the challenge to our mothers and fathers, those who are raising kids today in a world that seems to be gone crazy and and a world that seems to be far estranged from what probably you and I grew up knowing and understanding and living in. So uh, I want to tell you today, fathers, I'm on your side. I'm praying for you. And I know uh, what a difficult challenge it is to be a father, grandfather, and to example what it is to uh, be a believer living in the culture that we live in today. And so you guys are amazing, and so I'm so thankful for you. Uh, some of the ways that we have in the past, and we want to continue today to recognize our Father is, fathers are to recognize, first of all, our oldest father that's here this morning. And I'm looking around. I usually have a pretty good idea on who's going to uh, get this one. So I'm looking around today, and I see probably our most likely candidate. So I'm going to say that we have a father today that's, uh, over 80 years old that's here at church this morning. 80 or over. Brother Bill, I thought you'd be... Come up here, sir. Can you, can, can you come up here just for a minute? Thank you. So I'm going to ask you to hang around up here just for a second, okay? Thank you. can sit there if you'd like, just for, or if you want to see it. You can do that, and I'll get you up in just a minute. Okay, I'll get you to stand up in just a minute. When we get there, but thank you. What a great testimony, right? Has uh, his daughter here with him today and son-in-law, and I bet she could tell us some stories about uh, what kind of dad she's got. So, uh, but it's great to honor Bill this morning. Also, we uh, typically honor, uh, on the other side of the coin, our youngest father. And so, do we have any fathers here today that, uh, let me just kind of look around and get another idea uh, for, for this one. Uh, let me say 25 and under. Any dads that are 25? All right, here's why I go into my auctioneer mode then. How about 27? <laughs> Do I have a 27? <laughs> okay, 28. It's going, going. Okay, let me look around a little bit. Maybe I can narrow this thing down. Chad, how old are you? <laughs> I'm looking. At... <laughs> Make this easy for me. 30? <laughs> Oh, gee, okay. How about 31? Any dads 31? 32? Chad, how old are you? Uh, 33. Finally, any dads 33 besides Chad? All right, come on up, Chad. <laughs> hey. hey, listen, I didn't mean to embarrass you, but I didn't have. <laughs> come on. Chad can handle it. I know. Uh, and then we recognize our father with the most children present here with him this morning. And so I'm looking around our family. So I'm, I'm going to start at three. Do we have any dads that have three of their kids here with them this morning? Some of them. Come on, AJ. Why do you? Yeah, that's you. Come on. <laughs> Such a gift for sitting in the balcony today. <laughs> I know Chad has three too, right? So. Four. 
Oh, I know, I know, yeah, okay. Uh, gee, that's a creative county. Come on down, AJ. Come on. That's a, that's a little bit more creative counting than what we used to. <laughs> but yeah, next year, Jack. <laughs> oh, that's good. So these guys kind of represent our church family, our oldest, youngest, and dad uh, with uh, most kids. AJ has four, too, but one of his oldest daughter, Haley's uh, working a summer Christian camp this year, so glad for that. All right, let's give our representative dads here a big hand. All right. Guys, we, uh, we've got some gifts for you, so take, take one of those with you. And uh, for all of our dads, our guys here this morning, we have a gift for you before you leave. Uh, you'll uh, receive it as you, as you go. So thank you all. Thank you, Brother Bill. Thank you. All right. You guys are <coughs> real appreciated. So good deal. I know your families appreciate you so much. So thankful for that. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to Genesis chapter 21. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is uh, Abraham. You know what we call him Father Abraham as kids. Maybe you've sang that song, Father Abraham has many sons and many sons is Father Abraham. Well, this is where, this is passage of scripture about this guy uh, that we sing that song about, Abraham. Abraham had a son named Isaac and Isaac had many sons and then they had many sons and Abraham became the father of a great nation. Uh, Scripture uh, prophesies about that, and God promised Abraham these things. And this is a, an account in Scripture about Abraham, his relationship to God through his son Isaac. You know, I think that God can teach fathers so much about himself by being a father, by, by raising kids. God loves us unconditionally. As close as we get to those kind of relationships on this earth is, I think, maybe a father-son, father-daughter relationship, a parent-child relationship. Uh, certainly as parents, we know how to give to our kids. Uh, and let me say this without insulting the kids, uh, when you don't deserve it. Uh, well, that's unconditional love. And so uh, Abraham relates to God through his son, Isaac in this account of Scripture, and he really gives us one of the greatest priorities in all of Scripture that a father owes to their children, and that's the understanding of how to rightly worship God. If there's the greatest lesson, I think, that I've discovered as a father, grandfather, is to help my kids and my grandkids learn, example, how to really worship God how to really make that uh, commitment of worship to God as our children become the witnesses of what we do as fathers. Abraham taught his son how to worship. Now, in this story, it's kind of unusual how Abraham taught Isaac to worship, uh, but yet it's in this account of Scripture that we can see it maybe more plainly than any other. So if you would follow along with me, beginning of verse 1, I'd like to read through verse 14. And for us to come back and think about a priority for our fathers today. Listen to what the Word of God says. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. 
And then he said, hey, let me just stop right there just for a minute. When God spoke to Abraham, he said, here I am. One of the greatest things that we can do as a dad is show up. Is just show up. And so when we show up as a dad, uh, the biggest part of the battle is won. And so when God spoke to Abraham and he said, Abraham's response, here I am. Listen, when God speaks to us, just show up and be there. Well, let me go on verse 2. Then he said, uh, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering uh, on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. And so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together, and then they came to the place which God had told them. And Abraham built an uh, an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took his knife to slay his son. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said to him, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And the Lord lifted his eyes and looked. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. And so Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering, offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of this place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said in the day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Bow with me if you would. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful today to be called children of God. That as we think about our earthly fathers this morning and honor them, help us to remember our heavenly father. Because without our heavenly father, there wouldn't be this thing called families. Uh, This creation of human beings, this world that we live in, the redemption that we have through our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I want to thank you this morning for the privilege of being a father, but for having a heavenly father who loves us the way that you do. Now, Lord, I pray that you'll open the scriptures to us this morning, challenge our hearts as moms and dads and grandparents, aunts and uncles. Father, that we can truly teach this new generation, this next generation, how to really worship you. And we're thankful for the privilege of being in your house this morning. The honor it is to sing and to praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, think with me just for a moment. When we 
see this great challenge. You know, we're living in a world today that seems to be exemplified with confusion. I've never seen a time when people were so confused and so indifferent toward each other. And yet, as believers, as Christian dads, we have a great opportunity to be a light in, in this present time that we live in today. We can raise up our, our children as, in a way that they can see uh, the, the person of Jesus Christ and the plan that God has for us. Abraham is one of those dads in his time and his generation that exemplified that very thing. He taught Isaac the need and the importance of worship. Listen, first of all, when it comes to worship, let me just say to you that there's the need for preparation for worship. That we ought to never come before God intentionally to worship Him without a measure of preparation that we've done. That we've readied ourselves in our minds and our thoughts, in our inner person, to worship Him. That we've come to this place and this time, whether it's in our personal worship or uh, in uh, our, our private or this public kind of worship, uh, that we've not really thought with anticipation and with expectation coming to God to meet with Him. You know, how often do we get ready? Have you ever gotten up uh, one morning, noon, you had a special meeting, and you got to especially prepared for that meeting? Uh, you did it with intentionality. You want to put your best self forward uh, in presenting uh, yourself at this special appointment. Shouldn't that be how worship is, really? I mean, shouldn't we want to put our, our best self forward when we honor God and when we give our, our best to Him? Uh, you know, sometimes I, I've been questioned, Brother Mike, you, you, uh, uh, you're a pastor. You still wear a suit and tie to church. Uh, you know, what, what's up with that? You know, don't you know that you can worship God in a pair of jeans or a pair of shorts? Or, and I'm, listen, I'm not judging any. I'm just glad you're here this morning. So don't get me wrong about that. But, uh, but you know, I've often thought, why not put my best forward? If that's the best. So if I go in my closet, get the best I can on Sunday morning, put it on and want to present my best. Uh, and that's what I want to do most specifically in my heart and in my thoughts and in my life is to put the best I have forward for God to honor Him. Now listen, Abraham talked about preparation. Listen, worship is a heart thing, isn't it? I mean, when we begin to think about worship, uh, it's, it's all about the heart. Uh, Matt Redman wrote a song not long ago. Well, it has been long ago, <laughs> pretty long ago. And, and the title of it is Heart of Worship. And in the song, in the lyrics, he gets to this idea that the heart of worship is about Jesus Christ. And he'd gotten away from what worship was about, about Jesus Christ. He'd gotten away about what Christianity was. It's about Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's not about the church, but it's about Jesus Christ. And so he wrote this song out of deep conviction about what is uh, at the heart of worship. It's Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, if Jesus Christ is at the heart of worship then our heart has to be ready to worship Jesus Christ. And so there's some issues about the heart that maybe, maybe we won't want to think about. You know, one of the things that God calls us to as a believer is to have a pure heart. To have a, a pure heart. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And so the Scripture talks about that very thing. You know, the word regard is kind of an interesting word because... It, it means it's translated in Scripture over time, about 100 times plus, by the word look. And so when we look at something, we're regarding it. But more deeply than that, 
the psalmist when he says, if we regard iniquity, it really means to look at something and not do anything about it. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever looked at something and you know that you need to do something about it, but you just didn't do it? You know, maybe you kept looking at that old dead tree beside your house for a long time and said, boy, I need to get out there and I need to cut that thing down. And maybe over a long period of time you thought about, I'm going to cut that thing down. And before you know it, a big wind came along and God took care of it for you and it went right on your house. You know? What's your first thought? Man, I wish I would have taken care of that tree. It wouldn't have hurt me so much, right? The Bible says rebellion, iniquity, disobedience, unfaithfulness, not trusting God. All those things are the nature if we look on those and see those in our heart and we we let them go unchecked or unchallenged. There'll be a time that we'll live to regret that. We won't be able to worship God. James says this about... The same thing. He says, but you see, the Word of God points out those things in our heart. But James says this in James chapter 1, but be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks on the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in all that he does. You know what James says? He says, as we look in the Word of God, the reflection of the Word of God is on us as we see in our, our lives the things that God really is concerned about and we just look at them and we walk away, we consider it. In other words, we regard it but do nothing, and we walk away, then there's no blessing. There's no worship for God. See, the answer to our iniquity, or all iniquity, is really this, if I confess my sins. He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Well, there's another Desire that God has, not only a pure heart, but a humble heart. He wants us to exemplify humility. You see, the life that the person that exalts themselves uh, isn't a person that's sensitive to God's needs. Abraham was a humble man. You see it in the decisions and choices that he made. And so Abraham exemplified that by being sensitive to God. James says, humble yourselves in the sight of God and He'll lift you up. It's important that we understand that that it's God who needs to lift us up. Now listen, I've I've met a lot of dads, and I've probably been one in my life, (laughs) that's a little bit more arrogant than I should be on certain things. Listen, that doesn't qualify for your kids. You can be as arrogant about your kids as you want, and grandkids. You can brag about them all you want to. They need to hear that. But maybe in some of the areas that I might have taught my kids some things that they didn't need to learn. About self-sufficiency. Self-reliance. Not that self-reliance is wrong, but that expense of God-reliance, trusting God, leaning on Him, then it is. 
my kids needed to see me and they need to continue to see me today in a way that they know that I'm trusting God. Abraham took his one and only son, laid him on an altar all the time, trusting that God's going to do something. Abraham's faith was so strong in God. Do you remember what he said to his servants? He said, the lad and I are going out to worship. Now, at that point in time, Abraham's understanding of worship is he was going to lay Abraham, uh, Isaac on an altar and sacrifice him. But he told his servants, then we're coming back. Now, I don't know how Abraham envisioned the end of his worshiping God. If he would take Isaac's life and God would resurrect him or what would happen. But Abraham knew that he was going to go and do what God had commanded him to do. And he was going to come back with his son. That's trust. If I'm not teaching my children, and I have adult children, by the way. If I'm not teaching, and I have adult grandchildren. <laughs> if I'm not teaching them that I trust God, then what, what other lesson can I teach them that has any value? And I do that through a humble heart. Um, another word, one's a thankful heart. All throughout the Psalms, the psalmist talks about being thankful to the Lord. Giving thanks to Him. Coming before His presence with thanksgiving. That we ought to be thankful. Uh, Abraham, I believe, uh, wasn't hanging his head low when he was walking up Mount Moriah. But I believe he may have been celebrating God even through song. I don't know. Uh, he might have been singing a tune to praise the Lord. He might have been saying things that praise the Lord. But I think he was thankful for the opportunity to be able to go. Uh, another thing about our heart is we need a, not, not just a thankful heart. But I really appreciate uh, uh, scripture uh, when it gives us uh, I, what I really enjoy as uh, practical instruction. And, and one of my favorite scriptures is the, this one. It's uh, making Mary is a good medicine. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and you guys that know me, I, I like to maybe have a little fun with you and joke with you. But let me tell you, uh, it's out of a grateful heart. Uh, and I, I think our families need to be uplifted. We need to laugh together a little bit, right? We need to have some times together where we just have a good time. Where we hang out together. Where we spend time together. Where we just enjoy each other and have a chance to love on each other. And that comes from a glad heart. So I hope this morning, Dad, I want to challenge you to have that glad heart and just celebrate together with your family uh, what it's all about. Uh, Psalms 100. Verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with thanksgiving. Or come into his presence with singing. So we ought to do that, right? So it's that preparation that we need. And we need to teach our children how to be ready. We need to teach our children, listen, when there's something wrong, when there's iniquity, when there's something uh, out of step with our lives, that what do we do? We go to God with it. We confess it to him. That we need to have humility in our lives dependence on God. We ought to be thankful and glad in Him. And then we have a heart that begins to be prepared. Another thing that we need also is not just that preparation for worship. Uh, you see, uh, Abraham did it uh, practically, but we need to do it as well every time we come spiritually. Uh, but there's the need for persistence in worship. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a hard thing to do. Uh, we um, are challenged. Uh, in our lives by being persistent in our worship. Now listen, worship uh, is certainly what we're doing here this morning. It's coming together as brothers and sisters in Christ, 
strengthening each other, uh, ascribing that glory to God that he deserves. But worship takes place not only there, but in our private life as well. If we're not worshiping God privately in our life, uh, that uh, we're missing tremendous blessing and a great opportunity to grow. Jesus himself often went privately to worship the Heavenly Father. He needed that time alone where it was He and where it was His Father together. And so we need that as well. We need that private time. We need to example that to our kids that God is so important to me that I take time in my life, no matter how busy I'm persistent in in honoring Him. And then also, uh, let me say that worship takes place in in practical life, every day that we live. I want to go as far to say this to you this morning. You say, Brother Mike, you're crazy. But I want to say to you that every act we do is an act of worship. Now, it may be a defiled act of worship, but it's a response to the God who created us, who loves us, who redeemed us, who saved us from destruction. Everything we do, we do toward God. Paul says, whatsoever you do, do it as unto the Lord. If Paul didn't say whatsoever, what, what's he, he's saying everything you do. Do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. So if that's the case, then everything we do is an act of worship. Our kids need to see us in the actions of our life, recognizing God as our, as our Lord and responding to God in like manner. You see, kids learn through examples. They see and they understand and they respond. And it's important for us to be able to do that. And so we have to be persistent. Persistent. Listen, Abraham was persistent in his journey to worship. All right, we all have a journey to worship. Abraham's journey was three days. How many of you? Anybody? Some of you may have. <laughs> but most of us here this morning didn't journey for three days to get here, did we? No, we didn't. Uh, but yet sometimes we find it a hardship to make the journey physically that we do to get here. We've got to persist through that. Uh, we have to move past that. But let me tell you, there's even a, sometimes a more challenging journey, and that's that spiritual journey that Satan fights with us all the way from our house to church. Or from the time that we wake up on Sunday morning until the time that we get to church, he's trying to do everything he can to prevent us from being here and being a part of what God's doing and celebrating Him. He can give us some of the most golden excuses that we can imagine, right? And we're so often willing to latch on to those. Scripture says in verse 4, then on the third day, uh, it said, and then he goes on to say that Abraham had to build his own altar in verse 9. Can you imagine that? You know, you come in here this morning, we, we, we have all this prepared. We've got nice pews and altar, all these kind of things just ready and waiting for us to come. Persist through your journey to be here. And then also he was persistent in his desire to worship. Abraham just wanted to. You can see it in the things that he did. Verse 3 says he rose early in the morning. 
In other words, he was ready to go. Uh, I would venture to say, and I'm not, and, and it's okay, but that probably on Sunday morning, you don't keep the same schedule that you do Monday through Friday. I would venture to say that most of you are up pretty much earlier on Monday through Friday than you're on Sunday morning. It's okay. It's all right. Maybe you don't need to be because many of you have to be at work at 6, 5, uh, uh, you know, 7 in the morning. You got to drive, so you have to get up early. You have to be there. But I, I want to tell you, what if we were as excited, right, to get up and use that time to prepare our hearts for worship and to be here on Sunday morning to worship Him? This is the thought. He rose early in the morning. He made preparation, verse, verse 3. Listen to what he did. He said... Um, he said, and Abraham, uh, excuse me, in verse 3, and so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey. Aren't you glad you don't have to do that? <laughs> uh, but he saddled his donkey, uh, took, uh, told his two, two servants that he and Isaac was going to work. He split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place where God told him. Wow. That he really was excited about being uh, at worship. He made preparation. He traveled that good distance. He did what he needed to. And all those things are significant because they speak about an attitude that we really need. One, one of those attitude things that we need is anticipation. You see, I think he rose up early in the morning because he was anticipating something great. That when he was there, God was going to show up. God was going to do something incredible. And so he came with great anticipation. I hope this morning you came here anticipating something that God would speak to your heart or speak to your life. The Bible says he made preparation. You see, that's expectation. Not only did he think God was going to do something, but he expected God to do something. It's not, it got way past God might do something. To God is really going to do something. And then when he made that journey and he came to worship, you know what he got? He got validation. God said, all your anticipation, all your expectation was worthwhile because now I'm going to validate that by doing something. It's absolutely amazing. And God did that. See, that's what he will do for us today. If we'll come anticipating God to do something really neat and expect God to do it, then we'll leave here assured that He did in those things. See, that comes because we desire to worship. Well, the last thing, dads, and I promise I'll be quick about it, is that there's the need a priority for worship. It has to be important for our lives. As a matter of fact, it has to be one of the most important things. Because, you see, things that are important uh, in worship are things like faith. You see, he worshiped in faith. How important is that? Not just to our lives, but to our kids' lives. That we give them an example of faith. That we trust God, and so we worship Him in faith. It's, it's so vitally important. Abraham Worshipped in faith. Let me tell you. Because he lived by faith. His whole life is a story of faith. When God first called Abram. Out of Ur of the Chaldeans. What did he say? He says come on. And I'm going to give you a new place to live. He didn't tell him where it was at. 
Didn't tell him how long it would take him to get there. Didn't tell him anything about it very much. But he just said, come after me. And Abraham got up, took his family, his nephew, and he got out of town. Not only that, but when they came to a place where uh, Lot's family and his servants got into a little conflict with Abraham, what did he do? Abraham said, you take the best, and I'll take what's left, and I know that God will bless me in wherever I'm at. If you read Abraham's story, God overwhelmingly blessed him. (laughs) Abraham lived a life of faith. And now he had Isaac, his son, and God promised him. Worship's about faith. Worship's about obedience also. He worshiped in obedience. Uh, Everything, and Abraham understood this one thing for sure, is that everything, he knew that everything he had belonged to God. That God had entrusted him with it. He knew that the very precious son, the promise that God had made to him, Now listen, the promise that God made to Abraham about being a great nation was explicitly, if you look back in Genesis chapter 12, God explicitly mentions, or uh, chapter 17, Isaac as the seed. Not another son. Maybe Abraham could have thought, well, I'll sacrifice Isaac. God will give me another son. No, God called Isaac's name and said he's the one. And so Abraham knew that. And so even at the point of giving up his own son, he was obedient. We need to teach our kids obedience to God. Another thing about worship is dependence. Uh, Also, uh, Isaac uh, saw his father being dependent on God. Isaac's big question, mine was, is that, hey, where's the lamb? (laughs) I mean, if I'm Isaac, my dad's there, he's got the knife, he's got the wood, he's built the altar. And my next question is, where's, where's the lamb? <laughs> What's going on here, Dad? You got everything so specifically, but what about this lamb? <laughs> and, and you know, his dad's response, God will provide. God will provide dependence. And God provided for Isaac uh, a lamb to take his place. God provided for you and I a lamb to take our place. His name's Jesus. And then finally, he worshiped with gratitude. Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it said to this day in Mount Moriah, the Lord, uh, uh, the Lord, uh, it shall provide, be provided. Uh, Isaac understood uh, through his father's example that God is a God who provides. Do you see him that way today? Maybe some of you were taught by your father in those kind of things through worship and through the life that you live how important God is and to be faithful to Him. Bow with me if you would this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful today to celebrate this Father's Day with looking at a father who lived a long time ago. Lord, help us not to dismiss Abraham because he lived some time back, but to realize that he faced the same challenges that we do as well. That he faced... Powerful draw of the culture that he lived in. That would separate his family. That would take his nephew away from him for a while. And yet, Lord, Abraham was faithful. Help these fathers. Help us to stand 
in the firmness of your strength and your power to be the examples that we must be for our children and grandchildren today that they might truly have faith and confidence in you. Well, that's a challenge that's too, too big for us as individuals or in our own power. But Heavenly Father, you've not chosen it to be that way. But you've promised you'll never leave us or forsake us. And so we count on that today as we do this thing of parenting. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you this morning to stand, if you would, as we close our service today.